The near future in Afghanistan includes the ongoing withdrawal of American and other foreign troops. The plan is to put Afghan government forces in total charge of their country's security by the end of 2014. In the Sangin district of Helmand province in southern Afghanistan, the process is at a very advanced stage. The BBC's Ben Anderson spent five weeks following a group of U.S. Marines who are advising Afghan police in Sangin before the handover of power there is completed next month. He found evidence of shocking abuses by the Afghan forces, including drug use, murder, and child sex abuse. Here's Ben's report, which, by the way, paints a very unsettling picture. What's he shooting at? What are you shooting at? A seething U.S. Marine Sergeant Major looms over a tiny Afghan policeman inside a watchtower made of sandbags. The police are firing wildly into an orchard because a couple of shots have just come in the direction of their tower. Civilians are nearby. It doesn't make any difference, the policeman's saying. The civilians are also Taliban. When we arrived, I actually saw him smoking a large joint. And now he's laughing and making childlike shooting noises, pointing his finger up at the Marine like a pistol. Some of his men are so high they can't stay standing. In Sangin, it's the least of the problems for Major Stuber, a bear of a man with a square jaw. He heads the team of just 18 US Marines whose job it is to advise the Afghan police throughout the whole district. There are 34 police bases, or PBs, in total. He starts by telling me about the corruption. It's vast. Everything from uh, skimming ammunition off of their supplies to skimming fuel off of their shipments. There's uh, false imprisonment. During an engagement, they'll just wrap everybody up that was around it, and then they'll wait for the families to come in and, and pay them money to be able to release them. Major Stuber admits he is often powerless to intervene. As an advisor, you're a dog with a lot of bark and a lot, a lot of bite. We don't turn a blind eye to anything. We report everything. But there's certain things that in order for them to actually go out and still hold security and hold PBs, you, you kind of got to let go. If we were to go in and shut down all of their corruption schemes, you would render them completely ineffective. But there is one problem that Major Stuber can't ignore. On every police base you go to in Sangin, you see a young boy who looks like a servant. They are known here as chai boys, and Major Stuber says they are often used for sex. Three boys have recently been shot dead for trying to escape the commanders who were abusing them. A fourth boy has just been shot and wounded. Major Stuber marches up to the police headquarters to confront the deputy police chief. Reclining on one of four creamy leather sofas, the only real furniture apart from a barely used desk in a sparse and dirty office, the deputy chief doesn't seem to understand what the fuss is about. The kids themselves want to stay at the patrol bases, he says, as if it's obvious, adding that they like giving their bodies. Major Stuber persists. Let's do this. Let's get together and go out there and get these kids out of these PBs and get them back to their families. The deputy chief eventually agrees to take action. We need to do this, he says. We need to take them back. But within hours, he cancels the operation. And it still hasn't taken place. Major Stuber almost breaks down when he tells me about the things he has to deal with every day flinching over the sound of his own words. 
the natural part of an advisor is you want to have the most effect on things. Try doing that day in and day out, working with child molesters, working with people who are robbing people, murdering them. It wears on you after a while. The Afghan government says it is fighting corruption and that the police and armed forces are ready and willing to take full responsibility for the security of their country. But many Afghans I've spoken to fear another outcome entirely and suspect that with police behaviour like this, the Taliban may well find an easy way back. That was BBC reporter Ben Anderson in Sangin in Helmand province in Afghanistan. Ben joins us now on the line from London. Uh, this story is a sad one, Ben, the corruption, the chaos, the abuse. Did you get a sense that this is a widespread problem? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've been travelling to Helmand province for the last six years and, and I've seen this many, many times. Um, this was just particularly bleak because Sangin is now controlled by the Afghan police and Afghan army. The, the 500 US Marines that remain there have pulled back to the main forward operating base. So the Afghans are pretty much on their own. Um, and so, you know, things like child abuse and corruption were just, just that much more widespread and that much more easy to see than, than normal. And how does this fit into the bigger picture across the entire country? Um, it's it's certainly not as bad in other parts of the country, um, but you know what worries me most about the South is that this feels like exactly the conditions in the early to mid nineties that meant that many Southern Pashtuns welcomed the Taliban. You know they saw the Taliban as the good, just Muslims who would remove these corrupt warlords and, and these these um, you know corrupt government officials, and, and it feels very much like that now. Um, you know the, the the local people want security and justice, and, and I'm afraid that with the awful behaviour of the police in particular that the Taliban look like they're the most likely to deliver security and justice. I mean, one of the most shocking parts of the story you reported are these young boys used for sex at the police bases. Can you help us understand why this is seen as acceptable? I, I, I wish I knew. I mean, it's it's a country, you know, which on the face of it appears to adhere very strictly to, to Islam. And some people condemn the practice, and yet it's it's so widespread. I mean, almost... Almost every police commander in that region sees it as his right to abduct a young boy between the age of 11, 14, 15 and have him as a servant and, and sex slave. And it's done, it's done pretty openly. I mean, everyone knows who's doing it. Everyone knew, knows who the chai boy is. How that squared with their religious beliefs, I, I honestly don't know. I wish I did know. I'd, I heard a few explanations. I mean, someone said that, you know, because women are, are so hidden away in Afghanistan, then a young boy is a companion who you can actually spend, uh, you know, you can actually take everywhere with you and he can be a companion uh, all the time in a way that, that women can't. But that, that doesn't explain the, the, the sexual abuse. I mean, one, I confronted one police commander about the abuse and, mm. and he basically said, if the commanders don't have sex with the boys, who will they have sex with? You know, they, they must have sex with someone. So it might as well be these young boys seem to be the excuse. He even said that the boys are willing participants. He said they like being on the bases, they like giving up their bodies. He didn't use the word bodies, he used a, a worse word, but you, you get the picture. Uh, uh, did you have a chance to speak with any of those boys? No, because they're, a lot of them are put in, in uniform um, and given weapons so that the US Marines who do see them think they might just be very young-looking policemen. Not, But mm. I, I didn't get a chance to speak to them, no. Now, at one point in your story, the U.S. Major Stuber says that he's like a dog with a lot of bark and not a lot of bite. What can the Marines do? Do they have any power beyond their role as advisors? Almost no power whatsoever. I mean, there were just 18 Marines who advised the police in that region. Uh, they go out every few days, which means on average they get to each, each police base once every three weeks. And the Afghans know that they're leaving very soon. So, you know, they they can try and sort of do a damage limitation exercise. But as you can imagine, they have, have very little influence. 
I mean, depressingly, as you point out at the end of your story, Ben, th- this seems to leave some room for the Taliban. And I gather that there are some parallels with the original rise of the Taliban in the early 90s. Absolutely. One of the first acts that, you know, brought Mullah Omar to prominence was, was attacking a local warlord who had raped, I think, a young girl, not a young boy, but eerily similar um, situations on the ground that led to the, the easy rise to power of the Taliban in the early to mid-90s. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the Taliban were certainly back in control in the South. You know, I, I think the people in the South want, want two basic things, um, first and foremost, security and justice. And, and sadly, uh, the Taliban are the ones that can deliver that. BBC reporter Ben Anderson, whose documentary on the current situation in Helmand province in Afghanistan airs tonight on the BBC program Panorama. Ben, thank you very much. Thank you.